Hello everyone and welcome back to the Kent Spitfires One Day Cup podcast. The show is brought to you by our Metro Bank One Day Cup partner, WW Martin. My name is Cameron and for this episode I'm really excited to say that I'm joined by a man who has been at the heart of so many of Kent's successes and the first Canterbury-born cricketer to be capped by the club. So it's a huge welcome to the show to Mr Joe Denley. How are you Joe? And also, I'm starting these podcasts off a lot like this. How is the body doing? I'm good, thank you. Um, the body is healing, albeit a little bit slower than I would have liked. But we're not far away. Sadly, obviously, I picked up a side strain a few weeks back. Um, well, just coming up to about four weeks now. So hoping to be fit for Sunday, um, the one-day game against Essex here at Canterbury. I can say all Kent fans are hoping that too. Uh, but I, I like starting the show off taking you back to the very beginning. Tell us a bit about yourself, where you came from and how you got into cricket. Uh, so born and raised, well, born in Canterbury, grew up in Whitstable, very sporting family. Uh, my dad's granddad's both cricket lovers and spent a lot of my childhood down at Whitstable Cricket Club going to watch my dad just playing in the nets, always had a bat in my hand and making people bowl to me and refusing to give my bat up, if you like, if, when they got me out. And one of those little kids that was never out and my bat, my rules. So that was a, a big chunk of my childhood. And obviously my older brother, Sam, played a lot of cricket with him uh, down the alleyway, the side of our house. I always say that that's where I grooved my technique in the early days. This narrow little alley. Yeah, the only way to score runs was hitting it straight, straight. past the lamppost. Um, and if you hit the fence on either side, you was out. So... As Graham Gooch used to say, play straight, be great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think uh, just a lot of cricket growing up, a lot of football. And then got into district cricket around 11, 12 and Kent age groups around the similar age. And yeah, I went through the age groups. Rose the ranks. Obviously you made your debut for Kent in 2004 now. Can you remember the feeling of making it at that stage? Obviously you've gone on to achieve great things, but I can imagine at that point for anyone like myself, that's the dream to make it to play for Kent. How did you feel... Yeah, it was all, obviously, like you say, dream come true, absolutely. I you know, was one of the first intakes on the Kent Cricket Academy and then had a year on that and at the age of 17 signed my first professional contract. And like you say, my debut, I think, was it Oxford yep. University? Yeah. A game to forget, actually. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of weather around. We didn't complete the game. We only got out there for about a session, I think. And I think I managed to get a first ball. Ah, duck. yeah. It was disappointing, but obviously delighted to to make my Kent debut, and um, yeah, it was a very proud moment for all the family. How has the club changed in that time? You know, it's it's almost almost twenty years from then. In your eyes, has that from two thousand and four to twenty twenty three? How would you say the club's changed? Cricket's changed. Um, that is for sure. I think the introduction of T twenty cricket, and you know, when I was growing up, it was all about having a, a high elbow and playing straight, playing through the V, and and now it's about playing 360, and yeah. um, I think the de- development of the game has has changed massively, and you know, we're seeing that with you know, a lot of young guys coming through. The range of shots they have was completely different to, to when I started. Uh, as I say, it was sort of my game was built around having a solid defence and and going from there. Whereas now it's about strike rates and how far you can hit it, yeah. not necessarily about how long you can hit it. Yes, well, perfect that you brought up T Twenty cricket. Because the next thing I wanted to kind of take you back to was 2007 and that 2020 Cup run. I was having a look at the team in the final and there were some top names. The current coaches, you've got Matt Walker in there, I believe he top scored. Yeah. Uh, Simon Cook was in there, you had Rob Key, 
Steve-O, only Ryan McLaren got man of the match in that game. And even a certain lass of Malinga was uh, playing for Kent at that point. I just wondered, what was it like playing in that side with those names as obviously one of the younger players in the group? And what are your memories of that successful T20 run in 2007? Yeah, incredible. I think I was very lucky that sort of when I came into the Kent first team, you know, I was opening the baton with Rob Key, player that obviously I looked up to as a, as a young lad and managed to forge a, a really good friendship and an opening partnership in that T20 campaign, especially in 2007. I think uh, there's a stat actually. I think um, every game of that campaign, I think I hit first ball for four every every game. Really? Um, and if you look back in the final, I think that that happened as well, which is a weird one. Someone brought that to my attention the other day. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But an incredible team. Uh, like you say, you've just listed off some, some great names there. Matt Walker, our coach now, playing with him. Martin Van Jarsveld, what yes. a player. What a player yeah. he was. Um, First person I ever got a signature from, Matt really? Van Jarsveld. Yeah, right down there, just on the boundary. Amazing player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Geraint Jones. Of course. Uh, the peak of his powers, playing for England at the time. And James Treadwell. Um, yeah, the list goes on. And Ryan McLaren, as you said, took a hat-trick. Mm-hmm. in the final as well so some amazing memories and well celebrated afterwards yeah any story of any of those names that you can remember or tell us about see we didn't actually go out when you get to T20 finals day obviously it's it's a really long day um, and if you make finals and you win it you're at the ground for a long time and it was one of those where we went back to the hotel and we just stayed in the hotel Okay, uh, and then before we knew it breakfast was coming out and it was a long bus journey home, I remember that. But yeah, no, no, no big stories. No big stories, okay. okay. So from 2007, obviously your form has taken note, especially your white ball form from England. So 2009, I believe, you got your first call-up to the one-day squad. Yep. Can you remember that first game, though? The first for, England, for England. For England, yeah. Yeah, it was, my first one-day game would have been against Ireland. Mm-hmm. I think I was batting in the middle order. Yeah. And managed to get 60-odd. Yeah, it was looking a bit dodgy at one point, as if we were might lose the game, but um, I think we managed to scrape over the line. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, contributed and, and got some runs in the middle order, and then I picked up an injury. Yeah. The uh, Shah just charged through me playing football <laughs> in the warm-ups, and uh, I think I missed the first two or three games of that Australia series, sadly. But I do remember playing in a T20 against Australia and obviously quite confident going into it and buzzing playing against Australia. First ball, Brett Lee steaming in at Old Trafford when the ground was the other way around, the square was facing the other way. And all I remember was seeing, you know, obviously Brett Lee bowled pretty quick. Yeah. And... It's a bit like Grant Stewart, actually. I don't know if you've ever seen Grant Stewart run in, but when he runs in, he's got the angriest face on him <laughs> and he looks nasty. And it was a bit similar facing Brett Lee. I just remember looking up and seeing his face and I was like, Ooh, yeah, <laughs> this is, uh, is going to be testing. And sure enough, a pretty fast bouncer came your way. Young naive me tried taking it on first ball, spliced it straight to square leg. So he brought back down to earth <laughs> with a big bump. I would have uh, just been happy to have hit it, to yeah, be honest, to have well, seen it. There was me thinking, oh, glory, hit it into the stands. But no, a little bit quicker than I thought. And um, yeah, trudging off first ball duck and T20. At that stage, would he have been probably the fastest you would have faced, Brett Lee? 
in his pomp, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was he was unbelievable. I faced some fast bowlers. It's weird with quick bowlers. You get some that have these actions where it's really hard to pick up, whereas Brett Lee is really rhythmical and you get a good sight of the ball. Right. But he hits you so hard. It's that phrase, he bowls a heavy ball. Mm. Very true when it comes to Brett Lee. It was, although you had a good sighting of the ball, it hit you hard. <laughs> and not only that, but the skills as well. I remember the ODI at Lords when... He came back in the middle phase and started reverse swinging the ball and just wiped us away and picked up five for so yeah that that pace was electric and so I imagine that that side that Australia side in the what late two thousands had some amazing names were you ever if it was me I think I would have been a little bit starstruck I imagine it's different for you but was there ever one player that you're like oh my goodness I am sharing the field with this guy <laughs> Ricky Ponting would have been yeah. playing in that that was. I remember I was fielding at Deep Square Leg at Trent Bridge and Ricky Ponting just checked, drove, I think it was Ryan Sidebottom, to the top tier of Trent Bridge. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Um, that was the name was I was thinking, amazing. Ponting, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, especially at that age, what, how old would I have been? 22, 23. And I was in a change. I was playing, Kevin Peterson was around, Andrew Strauss, some amazing names. And yeah, you certainly doubt yourself when you get to that level with the, you know I hadn't played a great deal of cricket I'd had success with Kent and but yeah that, that was just different being on a field with against that great Australian team I think it did yeah make make you question where you were in your your career compared to theirs but um, I loved it though I loved that challenge and never shy away from a challenge and it was, it was great fun well returning back to Kent or actually maybe away from Kent I was hoping you could tell us a bit about your move to Middlesex. What was the thought process behind that? How how that went playing up at Lords, and yep. yeah, and then obviously the return a few years later. So yeah, first off, why did that come about? You you going to Middlesex? Yeah, interesting question. It was on the back of sort of getting dropped from England. Came back to Kent. Didn't start the season off too well. wasn't you know wasn't enjoying my cricket a great deal, and for one reason or another, and. I actually ended up finishing off pretty well. Sort of the back end of that season, scored quite a few runs. But in the back of my head, I was like, I had that taste of playing for England. I wanted to play again. And I thought playing Division 1 cricket was the best option for me. And the move made sense. And and Middlesex came in and were keen. And so I went and and signed there for a three-year contract. And um, and that was it. That was really the reasoning behind it, was, was trying to get back playing for England as soon as I could. Do you get told that by England selectors or so on, the importance of playing Div 1 cricket? Or not really, is that kind of a feel you have? Not really, no. I, yeah, and I think, looking back, I, it was probably sole focus was about getting back playing for England. And I've always said that it was one of the biggest learning curves in, in my career was how much pressure I put on myself to, to get back involved with England. And yeah, like I say, it was nothing was ever good enough, I suppose, from that point forward I had a decent first season with Middlesex but I, I needed to, to do more I needed to to get better I'd change try changing my grip my technique uh, and everything quickly went downhill from there and putting too much pressure on myself like I said before to just get back involved with England was a real downfall of mine and yeah the next sort of couple of years were pretty lean patch and found myself playing second team cricket with Middlesex and again not enjoying the cricket and 
Yeah, I, I loved the club. Middlesex were great, great bunch of guys playing at Lords. Obviously, we all know about Lords, but another regret is probably moving from one slope to another. <laughs> uh, that was a bit of a mistake. But yeah, I, I loved my time at Middlesex in terms of the club and all the players. Um, I think, you know, I just made a few mistakes in my half. And how did that move then materialise back to Kent? So you're saying maybe it didn't work out quite as you'd hoped in Middlesex. What was the conversation to bring you back here? Yeah, I was, like I said, I was playing second team cricket of Middlesex and uh, I was actually going all right in second team. I sort of reached a point where I was just like, stuff it, let's just uh, see ball, hit ball. Uh, I remember Richard Johnson was the bowling coach there and like I said, I tried changing my grip, my technique and that was actually where I sort of came across to off stump and you know, one of my strengths was hitting through the leg side so... Yeah, I was playing all right in the second team. And then Keezy texted me out of the blue and just said, thanks uh, coming back to Kent, pretty much. And and I jumped at the chance, yeah. I, I went in and spoke to Angus Fraser. He was very understanding. And that was it, really. And I promised myself that I would never put that sort of kind of pressure on myself again to get back playing for England. England. England was long gone. I just wanted to have fun and play cricket again and really start enjoying my cricket and Coming back to Kent was was obviously a great move, back closer to family. That was it, really. You might have kind of just touched on it then. On your return, you had a number of great seasons, 2017, notably 2018. So I've got the list here. You were the PCA's Vitality Blast and Royal London One Day Cup Most Valuable Player, uh, as well as the overall 2018 County MVP. There were so many highlights from that year, but what do you think contributed to those two years of upturn and form? Uh, I think, yeah, just on the back of having that three-year period where I learnt a lot in terms of mentally how I need to approach my game and not fearing failure, not having too many expectations. Uh, I've never really set myself targets at the start of season and just enjoying my cricket and total belief in, in my game. But yeah, I think turning up to training, turning up to matches without that expectation without that pressure really helped and I wouldn't say it was anything technical or anything that I changed to enable myself to have those successful seasons it was more about being a bit freer Mm -hmm. in my head and yeah that was it really so of course following this incredible form in those couple years came that maiden England test call-up do you remember at all the conversation getting the test call-up in 2018 yeah, I do. Ed Smith called me and told me the news. First tour was, well, Sri Lanka. Yep. Back with the England side. And yeah, incredible. You know, as we touched on before, it was England was never at the forefront of my mind. And that was purely a case of playing with that freedom back at Kent and having those successful seasons and, and England coming on the back of that. And I think one thing that was a, a real factor in that was me bowling a lot more. Right. And I have Bilbo and Walks to thank for that as in T20 cricket, uh, giving me the opportunity to open the bowling in, in T20 cricket with, with my leg spin and, and working hard at that. And with it going so well, I think was a um, quite key ingredient to, to that England selection. Your, your bowling, was that always something that was kind of another string to your bow? Or like you say, under Bilbo and Walks, they really pushed it. Was that something you... I, I, I assume you probably worked on it in training and so on, but was it something that you really thought that you could be a, a frontline spinner? 
No, I don't, well, never really a frontline spinner. It was always one of those where I, I, I always bowled it okay, and I never really took it seriously. You know, playing under Keezy, he would sometimes give me the odd over here and there before lunch and tea. Um, but we had James Treadwell in our team, so didn't get much of an opportunity back then. And yeah, I think you know, as soon as Bill Walk said, "Look, we want to try and use your leg spin in T Twenty cricket," it was like, okay. It was great opportunity for me uh, especially with the way t20 cricket was going and yeah it was really enjoyable actually i think being a opening batter as well you kind of have a good understanding of what the batters will be looking to do and trying to do to you so yeah like i say it's been a massive part of my cricketing journey over the last five to ten years do you enjoy it i do enjoy it i saw uh, the game was it norfence yeah, cricket <laughs> yeah, I was going to. That's what it, when uh, Beldron got his triple ton, yeah. and I, I can. You bowled a lot of overs. Didn't that? Not too many overs. <laughs> How, <laughs> do you enjoy it then? Um, yeah, I do. The wicket at Northampton was was made for spin, really, and they had a lot of left-handers. There was a lot of rough for me, so of course I knew I was going to bowl a lot of overs. And at the time, I felt actually all right. Jack kept coming up to me and saying, "Look." bowled a lot of overs here do you want to have a little break I was like no I'm alright mate um, what a mistake that was <laughs> so here we are now what five six weeks down the line had a dodgy back I've got a torn side well so, thank um, you that Northampton wicket then. yeah but no I do I do enjoy it it's, it makes fielding go a bit quicker yep because as we all know fielding can it can drag, drag a little bit yep. uh, so yeah to be able to contribute with the ball makes that a little bit easier in T20 cricket and, and white ball cricket because you know, the game's moving on quick and you know things are going to happen and mm-hmm. you've got a real chance to make an impact. I want to take you quickly back to you were saying that Sri Lanka tour in 2018. Yeah. I read that you, I don't know if you remember saying this, so there's a quote that you felt that you went missing for a few years. Yep. What years in particular are you referencing there? Uh, my second and third year at Middlesex. Right. Yeah, just... Like I say, I was I moved to Middlesex to try and get back in the England squad uh, to Division One County, and then I find myself playing second team cricket. It was just one of those moments where I was like, "Wow!" I, th- I actually thought my cricket. I was planning. Well, I wasn't really planning, but I was. Like, is is this the end of my cricket career? Really? Yeah, it, was, it really got to quite a low point. Yeah, here we are now. Well, I guess it would have been hard for you to have envisaged some of the events that happened. Then we're going into 2019 now. Well, you're testing me here. My memory I know. is so bad. It's okay. I'll help. I'll help. But so you had the tour of West Indies and then, well, I believe you're batting at three. In batting my a few positions yeah. for, for England in my test career. Um, and you had so many highlights, but I'm going to go for one in particular and that's the Headingley test because I think it sometimes gets forgotten. You second and stroll out England, uh, you're now four. On to second innings. What about first innings? Okay, we can we can talk about the first innings if you'd like to. Top scorer. Well, actually, that Ashes series. Just give us a home because you're part of a very select few to play in one. What is that like? Yeah, that is without doubt one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah, outside my family, of course. That is literally dreams coming true to play in an Ashes series. You know, we rewind four or five years when I said I, I went missing playing second team cricket and then to find myself playing in an Ashes series it was one of those wow moments never forget first ball at Edgebaston first ball bowled 
and it was like the hairs on my every hair on my body stood up. It was I remember Brody coming up to me and it was just like, How good's this? And I was just like oh, pretty good. <laughs> and um yeah, incredible and you, you touched on that heavenly test match. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Like I said, I do believe people forget about this, your partnership with Joe Joe Root in that second innings. You scored fifty and it was vital. Can you remember how you were feeling maybe what you were talking about with Joe? Because there was such a long way to go chasing 360 and we'll get on to obviously what happens afterwards. But like, do you remember that, that innings tour and when that partnership with Joe? Yeah, I do. And yeah, not much was spoken. I don't think we managed obviously on the back of the first innings getting bowled out for what, 57, something like that, 67. Um, top yeah. scoring with 12. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a case of, right, we've got to put that first innings right and um, we needed to win that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed to try and get through that new ball and build a partnership and you know, obviously Ruti is one of the best players, if not the best player to have played for England and, and yeah, it was, that was it really. It was just try and break it down and try and see out the day mm-hmm. uh, and see where we are tomorrow. But yeah, it was awesome, I think. You know, getting out just at the right time to allow Stokesy to come in and get his two off about yeah, oh, 70 balls. 100 that, balls, yeah. That evening. Incredible. Can you take us into the dressing room that final day with Stokes? Oh, at the time, obviously, there was punch with uh, Johnny Bairstow and obviously the infamous one with Jack Leach at the end. Were you one of these people where you sat down the entire time or were you moving about? With superstitious yeah. people in the changing rooms. I, Head in Lee's a shocking viewing area. Uh, so the viewing area itself was pretty full. So I was in the changing room pacing around, sulking really, because we'd lost a few wickets. And I was just like, right, as amazing as this is, playing in an Ashes series, we're going to lose. I'm going to lose my first Ashes series. <laughs> I wasn't outwardly saying this, but I was just sulking. I was like, oh, disappointing. And then, yeah, I, I stayed in the changing room sort of, and there's this tiny little TV in there, size of an iPad almost. And the roars slowly started getting louder and louder throughout the day. And, yeah, it was incredible. I, I kept pacing around the toilet area and I didn't watch one ball. You didn't watch one ball? I was just listening to the roars. Wow. I may have sort of poked my head up when he smacked Cummings through the offside to win the match. But, yeah, I, I literally was in the changing room area pacing around sulking pretty much because I thought the game was done. At what stage did you start to believe, or did you not until that ball crashed to the boundary of Cummins? Well, we were nine down and we still needed, what, was 80 se- runs? Uh, yeah, I think it was 70, 80 runs, yeah. So, yeah, until it got down to single figures, I guess, the emotions were just incredible. And then Stokes, he sort of comes off the pitch as if nothing's happened. He's just, <laughs> what a man. What a man he is. It was, it was bizarre. It, they try, I think they tried to sort of recreate that. Ian Botham moment, you know, where he's sitting in the change room smoking a cigar after. Mm-hmm. Stokes, he was sitting there in his pads, didn't have a cigar in his mouth, but photographers are all in there taking various different angle shots and Stokes is just chilled there sitting <laughs> in his pads. And we're all standing around with our jaws on the floor, sort of like, what has just happened? I've seen those pictures after the game where you're sat out on the Headley pitch yeah. and Leachy's there showing his, his single, <laughs> recreating, recreating his single. <laughs> I <laughs> his glasses. Yeah, I can imagine there was a lot of love for Leachy that day. Like the most important single I can ever remember. 
Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of love for Leachy anyway. He's he's a great man. But yeah, that was oh, what a moment. What a moment, absolutely. But we touched on it before. During the Sasha series, you seem to get moved around the place. So that was four uh, where you came in at Headingley, and then you went up to opening the innings, and that brought upon your highest test score in the final innings at the Oval. What brought that about? And were you happier? opening or you didn't really mind where you were I didn't really mind to be honest it would have been nice to sort of cement a position and have that be mine but no yeah I wasn't I wasn't worried I think they obviously started off with Jason opening the batting and didn't quite go to plan so they thought I'll move Jason down and maybe he can sort of dominate that middle order and I'd opened the batting before so it was kind of a a move that made sense and like I said I would have batted anywhere I wasn't too worried. And yeah, that oval test match was, was awesome. My daughter Rosie was born in that week as well. Oh, wow. So I missed missed a bit of fielding, which was a bonus. <laughs> Come back, score 90. Yeah, and then came back and scored 90. That will be, like, as, as amazing as it was to be involved in the Ashes series, it will always haunt me, I think, not getting a hundred, a test hundred or an Ashes hundred, being so close. Yeah, disappointing. Well, hopefully when you came back, Kent, it cheered you up because you had two remarkable campaigns again the the blast winning that in 2021 and the one day victory last year which you were captain of scored 70 in, in in the final how was it being involved in because obviously you were involved in our last win in 2007 the t20 win then but to bring silverware back to kent 14 years later how were those two campaigns being involved in yeah incredible i think yeah the yeah, we've spoken about the one in 2007. Um, we actually got pretty close to 2008 as well. But yeah, to to have that long wait and, and to get to finals day again and to get over the line, I think we probably went into that as we always do as least favourites or, or underdogs. And it was actually quite a pretty convincing finals day, wasn't it? We, mm-hmm. we won the semi-final, seemed to remember quite smoothly. And then the final was... Yeah, normally finals are nail biters and quite tense, but you know we was always in control of that game. Really, I thought. And Your three for was it? Aren't you that helped opening up? Did you open the bowling? That I did. Day? Yeah. Um, got Banton. Managed, managed to get Banton out in the my first over, which was he seems to have quite a lot of success against us. So, he loves um, Kent. He does love Kent. Yeah. So that was a that was a big big scalp and probably a bit of a confidence booster for everyone. But you know, Cox's knock mm-hmm. as well. So that was in the final, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, it? And, the, so, and the catch. Yeah, well, yeah. the catch. Well, yeah. well, Milne's catch. True. Yes. The difference then, because you were captaining then the the one-day side last year, how was that leading the Kent side to victory last year? Yeah, great fun. You know, I, I think you know, everyone that's playing the one-day cup, we're all honest, we, we'd love to be picked in the 100 and, and be playing that. And But... The One Day Cup presents such a great opportunity for us guys that aren't selected in that to to try and win a trophy for Kent, and yeah, it was it was really good fun. Again, last year I missed the first few games for a little back niggle and almost a blessing in disguise, really, because that meant because I was going to bat at number three, right, in the One Day Cup. So me being injured, we pushed Ollie Rob up to number three, and what a season he had! Yeah, um, started off at Worcester getting that double hundred, blitzing my record. <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, he had a, a remarkable campaign and just a really fun, enjoyable time of the year and great to get that trophy. 
Look, as a Kent fan, but also obviously an England fan, being able to talk to you about some of your memories has been brilliant. Thank you so much for your time so far. When you join us after this, we'll have, there's been plenty of questions been sent in from the Kent faithful. So yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying it as much as I am. And thanks again, Joe, for your time. And we'll join you after this. Hi, uh, Joe Denley here. I hope you're enjoying this episode. We'd like to acknowledge our partners, WW Martin, major sponsor of our men's one day cup team, Black Opal Travel Group, major sponsor of our men's first class team, Shepherd Neem, our official beer supplier, major sponsor of our men's Vitality Blast team and of the Spitfire Ground St. Lawrence, FGS Plant, an official sponsor of Kent Cricket, Barrett's Motor Group, our official training kit partner, Castor, our official kit supplier, Bayliss Executive Travel, our official travel partner, and our official charity partner for the 2023 season, Porchlight. Join us after the break where I'll be answering some of your questions. Cheers. Welcome back to the Kent Spitfires One Day Cup podcast. I am joined still by Mr. Joe Denley. This is going to be a fun bit. We've got so many questions in for you. I've got a few of my own, so let's let's crack on with it. Let's start with what I can imagine was a really special moment. You handing your nephew Jaden his, his first cap. How was that? How was that for your family? Just I can imagine that was an amazing moment. Yeah, it was pretty cool actually. Strange one. I, I've presented. Uh, some caps in my time. I presented Zach Crawley with his test cap, which was quite a pressurised moment getting that right. But that went pretty well, and I got through that. But yeah, presenting Jaden with his cap was a little bit different. Actually, I was I normally speak okay, but at the time it was just words were coming out of my mouth, and I was very nervous. And obviously, a few emotions in there as well. Uh, I didn't cry, but an amazing day for the family. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think my mum and dad are incredibly proud that one of their kids has got to play professional cricket but now to have a grandchild obviously my brother's boy brother was quite emotional I think yeah amazing day for the family and hopefully I'll get to play a game with him yeah oh, your family's clearly very very talented whenever I see the Whitstable scorecard it seems to be half Denley's in there so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another, another Denley play for Ken what is he might be listening I don't know but what what are your hopes for him going forward How what do you think he can achieve um he's he's got the attributes that i wish i had like he's a left-handed batter where say it's easier being left-handed bowls left arm spin and he's a very good fielder and i mean achieve what he wants to achieve really he's he's obviously very talented technically he's in a pretty good place for a 17 year old but it will be about the mental challenges and how he deals with Potentially having a bit of failure and being in the spotlight from such a young age. I signed my first contract at 17, but I didn't play first in cricket. So it's an incredible achievement. But I think, as I said, he's he's talented and he could go a long way in the game, that is for sure. But it's about how he will deal with failure and the pressures that come with being in the spotlight. But he's already proven he's dominated age group cricket. He's done well in second team cricket and he's done okay since he's come in the first team. So... Yeah, hopefully he can have a really successful career. We have a lot to be excited about. Okay, so here's some questions that were sent in. So there's Jake from Leicester. What's your favourite Denley meme team meme? Oh dear. I've seen... <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> um, there was one. I don't know what the sort of hashtag was or anything like that, but there was one where I was driving in an ambulance 
and Bilbo was in the passenger seat. And I don't know if it was because we'd done well against a team and we was driving an ambulance for them or something like that. But yeah, there's some crackers out there and there's too many to choose from. But um, shout out to the Denley Ming team. Wonderful. Okay, you may have touched upon this with the Ashes, but maybe a specific one. Johnny from Orpington, what's your favourite memory from your career so far? Um, it's a tough one, but uh, yeah, I think it has to be playing in an Ashes series. Absolute dream come true. Uh, what a series it was to be a part of, involved in that famous Headley game. So yeah, I think Ashes series 2019. Finn, only aged eight from Ashford, what was your first cricket bat? Yeah. My first, I would have used uh, at Whistle Cricket Club. We used to have sort of like the Colts bag, and I think I took an old Warsop bat out of that and used that for oh. quite a period during my age group days. But I do remember my dad saved up, bless him, and bought me a my first ever cricket bat. I think it was a hundred pound Salix Pestantia. Yeah, uh, was the first ever bat I purchased, or my dad purchased for me. Yeah, it's Okay, uh, Ellie from Canterbury, I believe she has a relation to the squad. What is your favourite karaoke tune? I don't think I've ever sung karaoke, but if I had to do it, I'd probably belt out a Westlife oh, yeah. number. Yeah, um, that's a good shout. Yeah, mm. a bit of Mandy or something like that. Very good. Stan from Hertfordshire, what advice do you give for young players who are trying to get into the game to play at a high level, whether that's county or international? Great question. Uh, I think from a young age is that you want to be having fun and, and not put too much pressure on yourself to to perform and compete uh, or compare yourself to maybe other kids your age. Um, just try and be the best you can be. Have fun with it and and, and be willing to, to try different things and, and try and expand your game as much as you can. Because I think certainly from that sort of 10 to 15, it's, it's about experimenting uh, and then... Once you start to develop and, and grow a bit more, you, know, you get a bit more power, you can improve your technique a little bit more. Perfect. Okay, who is the hardest bowler you faced in your career, do you think? Been a few. Yeah. Early days, I would have remember facing Shane Warne and Merylithran. Um, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was, I got my first 100 for Kent against Hampshire here at Canterbury and Shane Warne was playing. That was quite incredible. That's amazing. That's amazing. What was that like? Okay, I can't go past that. What What was playing Shane Warne like? Yeah, it's good. See, those little things like that never really phase me if I come up against players like that. I always saw it as a great opportunity. Like, if they get me out, then they're expected to get me out. Like, whereas if I do well, mm. how amazing would that be? And that's how I always saw it. And it was, yeah, incredible. Especially, obviously, scoring my first 100 I actually, Keezy always gives me stick about that because my dad was uh, on the sidelines when I got my 100. I think we were nine down. And, and Keezy always says, oh, get another one, Joe. <laughs> as if, as in sort of get a double 100. Whether he did say that, I'm not sure. But Keezy says he does. Uh, he did. But Keezy always laughs about that. And yeah, that was a, a special week. Did you see Keezy going into administration? Was that a shock to you? Um... Keezy was always a a real deep thinker of the game and, and loved having debates and his vision cricket was just incredible. See, I'm always I'm the type of guy that's just like just crack on and 
pretty chilled, pretty level, just that kind of attitude. But Keezy was just always thinking of how we can improve. And even back then when he was captain, obviously being a captain, you have to have that kind of vision, I think. And so, no, not really. Didn't doesn't surprise me that he is where he is now. Didn't surprise me that he went into broadcasting and, and commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, he speaks so well about the game. And like I said, his, his vision and thoughts on the, the game of cricket is incredible, really. So, no, not surprised to see where he is now. Okay, so went on to your cricket info and it says that you've played for nearly, well, over 10 franchises. Obviously, this is something that's come into the game. Uh, <laughs> no, you asked me. And I was, no, I'm going to go for, what is it like being involved in all those different franchises? Is it hard going to a new one? Obviously, it's a new team, new, I, I don't know if it's new ideas being thrown at you. And the role that franchise cricket is now playing for, for players, it's, there's no avoiding it. It's, it's important you see for your careers and so on. How do you see this growing and how was it, has it kind of affected your career? Well, I can only see it getting bigger. I love it. Uh, it's, an amazing opportunity for for all professional well, for all county players to they're lucky enough to go and play in these franchise leagues where the best players from around the world are, are going and playing and competing against each other. Obviously, financially, it's incredible. There's no hiding away from that. But I think it's done wonders for the game. Um, some of the young players now that are absolutely fearless in terms of the way they approach the game, um, and that's on the back of go into these leagues, mixing with superstars from around the world and playing the best cricket they can play. And yeah, I, I just think that Jordan Cox, yeah, Harry Brook, these these guys, yeah. compared to back when I was 21, 22, they're miles ahead of where I was. Uh, Zach Crawley, he may not have played the amount of franchise leagues that other players have, but the way these young guys are sort of, approaching their cricket from such an early age is, is incredible and I think that's on the back of all these franchise leagues. T20 cricket can only be good for the game and yeah, it's I love being a part of, of every franchise that I'm, I'm lucky enough to represent. Did, did you have a particular one that you enjoyed spending the most time at for whatever reason that may be or you enjoyed them all equally? Yes, you enjoy the ones you have most, most success at. But Oh look, for example... The IPL, I was lucky enough to go to the IPL and I played one game and got a first ball duck. But the experience was incredible. Yeah. Um, go over to India. and you know, I've toured India before. I went with England under-19s. But to go and experience the IPL, just unbelievable. The passion that they have for the game is it's like a religion out there, cricket. And I was, my home ground was Kolkata, Eden Gardens, and every game was sold out. The yeah. noise was ridiculous. So that's as much as I didn't score the runs and didn't play the games that I'd like to have played. I was it was better for it. I was mixing with amazing players, watching mm. amazing players go about their business. And yeah, such a, an incredible experience. So I guess any young Kent player who may be out there now, if they get the opportunity to go to any franchise side, even if they're maybe not going to be selected, you would suggest go just for the experience to mix with those players. Absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah. I would always encourage that if, if the opportunity presents itself. I think if you're getting picked franchise leagues, you're, you're obviously playing well and, and doing something right. So you know, hopefully you, you go out and, and play some cricket, but it's, it's a great opportunity to go and develop your game, mix with other great players, mm. um, experience foreign conditions, and try and develop, if you're not playing, try and develop your game 
so that when you come back to Kent, you come back a better player. That's it's always the challenge of, I suppose, winter months. Even if you're not in franchise leagues, I'll always encourage players to go away overseas somewhere, whether it be Australia, South Africa, and play league cricket, grey cricket, especially younger guys, because um, it's about only developing your cricket, but developing you as a person. You're going out, you're fending for yourself. One of the best things I ever did uh, as a sort of 19, 20-year-old, I went to Australia, Sydney. I needed to work on my short ball game because I sort of played a, uh, played a couple of first-class games and got peppered quite badly and hitting the gloves, hitting the helmet. And so to succeed at this level, you, I needed to go and work at that and it was one of the best things I ever did. It, it matured me as a person and yeah, developed my game, came back a, a much better player and mature person as well. That's brilliant. Okay, so I've been asking each of our guests to describe this one-day cup squad in one word. You want one word? I want just one word. Promising. Lovely. Okay. And I'm very excited for this bit. I like to end the episodes off with Kent Top 6. Hopefully your listeners will understand the premise by now. But it's, you know, a couple batters, a couple bowlers, maybe an all-rounder, maybe a keeper. It doesn't have to be quite as rigid as that, but I'm looking forward to some of these names from you. Give us your top six. Okay, so I am going with Rob Key. Nice. Obviously played a lot with him and player. Uh, Martin Van Yarsfeld. How good was he? Because quite a few listeners probably, well, hopefully they've heard of him, but maybe they didn't get to watch him play. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal. He was that kind of player that if he got past 10 runs, you could almost pencil him in for 100. That just... Yeah, remarkable really. Just his appetite for scoring runs. He must have been our leading run scorer. Him and Kesey. Years on end. Okay. So then I will go for Andrew Simons. Oh my goodness. What a net yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he yeah. was yeah, he was my first T twenty captain at Kent actually. Maidstone, the moat he picked me. Wow. What a player he was. Yeah. Phenomenal all round cricketer. He's gotta be in there. And quite a character I I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, sadly, I was quite young and didn't see that side. Never got to see the social side of Andrew Simon, right. sadly. But yeah, I've heard he was pretty good. So another all-rounder, Mr. Darren Stevens, have to be in Absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah. Absolute legend. Yep. Then I've got Samuel Billings keeping wicket for me. There we go. Yeah, lovely. Um, talented individual. And then one of my favourite overseas players at Kent, did incredibly well for us, Matt Henry. See, that, it, this is remarkable. Of all, all the players you've played with, because it's not just you, I think nearly every person has said Matt Henry. How, yeah. how good was he? Yeah, well, look, he ticked every single box. I think as an overseas player, obviously you'd like them to come and warm and do well out in the middle, which he did. But it was what he offered off the pitch as well. He was just like the heartbeat of our dressing room, really. is oh, wow. always up and about and very positive guy. And great for the other bowlers to learn off, I think. And they're socially really fun as well. Joe, honestly, thank you so much. I Some of the insights for a cricket lover like me, and hopefully for everyone listening at home, has just been brilliant. Thank you for spending your time with us today. Yeah, no, thank Pleasure. you so much. I wish my memory was a little bit better. But no, it's been great. It's been great. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone at home enjoyed this. Thank you. Thanks, mate.